the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's talk money in retirement. It's kind of what we do here. Sometimes what we talk about is investing. Sometimes it's about retirement. Sometimes it's about taxes, personal finance, for sure. Businesses that you create as an investment through your time and your life. I recently went back and saw my four brothers and my sister. It's actually three of my four brothers and my sister to be factual. Um, it, it wasn't lost on me that I've got government workers in my family and a school teacher, and they're all going to get pensions. And I'm the only one who is an entrepreneur. And I'm the one who's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight figures tied towards my retirement. Um, and they've got a very nice income coming 50, 60, $70,000 a year. They retired due to their government service and some supplemental savings here and there. Which one are you? Are you the one who wants to take the career that's a little bit more secure, that has a nice, safe retirement plan? Or are you the one who wants to be an entrepreneur who, if it doesn't work out, you might be living in a trailer when you're 60? There's a lot going on in that statement, right? So one of the things that I do that they're not necessarily privy to do, they have family, I have family, but they make a lot less money than I do and they save a lot less. So they don't have that opportunity necessarily for that second home that can work out or end up in bankruptcy. They also don't have that second opportunity to kind of speculate. With speculation comes great risk, but also pretty good reward. And I know you know speculation. That's why you're listening to the show. You're looking for a hint, a tip, a trick to get you ahead. You're looking for some insight. So let's play that game, okay? Let's talk the metaverse. Now we can all talk about artificial intelligence and speculation or growth. We can talk about metaverse and speculation or growth. If you've got a government job, the metaverse is speculation, in my opinion. I'd rather you build up a portfolio of blue chip stocks that billionaires own. And when I say billionaires, I'm not being facetious. I'm saying stocks aren't going to get you in trouble because you don't need trouble. I think that makes sense to you. I know it makes sense to you. It should make sense to you. If I were to say, give me some stocks to never, ever get you in trouble in your lifetime, Colgate Palmolive. They make Colgate toothpaste and much, much more. Amazon.com. I think we all know they're going to be around for many, many years to come. Their valuation is troublesome. Next Star Media. They're best known for investing in distressed debt, but equities also catch their eye. Next Star is the largest television station owner in the United States with 197 stations in 115 markets. I work at Next Star with Cron4. 
I don't own the stock because it's I stop for me. And also owning what where I work is not for me. Snowflake is a company a lot of people like. Uh, Microsoft, stocks that aren't going to get you into a lot of trouble. The S&P 500 is a great way to invest for a long-term patient investor. A name like Freeport McMoran Copper and Gold. We need copper and gold to build the world out. Constellation Energy. So those are names that aren't going to get you into trouble. Eh, maybe a little bit sometimes the timing, but not too bad. So let's talk metaverse a little bit, shall we? Um, will it happen? Will it hap- not happen? Will it happen like Ready Player One? Will it happen like um, Fortnite? But in more, that's you're feeling like you're there. Not like you're controlling the character there, but you feeling like you're in character. We could talk electric vehicles. We could talk cryptocurrency. Where's the speculation? Right now, if I wanted to speculate, I'm going to look at Snap. I think they were beaten down. I think they're, they're, they're troubled. I think they're flawed. I think they have a, a great niche business. But one of the problems with Twitter and with Snap is they've shown after five, 10 years that they really can't break out on their own. So I think they can be acquired for something cute. But if I'm any company that wants to go after TikTok, I'm thinking Snap right now. If I'm Facebook and I'm trying to accumulate something to compete with TikTok, I'm thinking Snap. Um, but let's not use that one. Let, let, let's maybe take a look at metaverse, meta platforms. If you want to play metaverse, who's the biggest investor in the uh, metaverse? It's, it's meta platforms. And they're down right now in large part due to advertising and competition from TikTok. Do I think they have a long-term future? I do. But it would be nice if they articulated it first. If they told us what the metaverse really means to them and how they're going to monopolize it. Not just through a cute game here or there. They really have to lay out an ambitious plan with some specifics. Not just digital goods are going to be big and digital contents going to be lovely. Apple, I think this time next year, we're going to be talking about augmented reality classes. Apple is set to release the long-awaited AR headset in early 2023. When that happens, expect Apple to weaponize its roughly 1.8 billion devices that are already currently out there and tie in seamlessly to it. Do I like the stock? I own the stock. NVIDIA, a beaten down company. If we're going to have a metaverse where we have more entertainment in our home, where we have more home productivity for the office, by wearing a headset and our bosses could actually see we're in a, a meeting. You need a lot of graphics, a lot of power. NVIDIA and AMD are the two best names. Um, right now, I like NVIDIA a little bit more than AMD based on valuation. Long term, I think both are nice plays. Again, only if you're investing in the very speculative, very crazy idea of the metaverse. But a lot like crypto, I think so much money is focusing on the metaverse. It's going to be tough to say, nope, we're just going to shut that all down. It is going to be big in the metaverse. Mickey Mouse. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. Mickey Mouse. Why is Mickey Mouse going to be big? Because it's, it's, it's a brand with children. 
and they have no problems having you pay a buck ninety nine to look at Mickey. What they don't want is me looking like Mickey getting drunk on the weekend and cursing at some child in the metaverse. But will their content work well inside the infrastructure or hardware virtual reality experience? It will. If you've ever taken a virtual reality tour of Disneyland or Disney World parks, it's pretty cool. You can kind of see, and trust me, there's so many nerds on this planet. The worst nerds to me are the Disney nerds. They'll be part of the metaverse, I promise you. Um, company you're not thinking about in the metaverse, but it's obvious, is Match Group. They are the massive player inside the United States that is heavily tied, or not just the United States, the world. Um, tender. Um, dating. How many people have we met that are, have met on a dating app? It's kind of funny because I think two of my family members may have met on a dating app, or maybe it was just the two, uh, one couple. I, I talked to both of them over the weekend. One minute. And yeah, with the men on a dating app, I'm like, which one was it? The dirty, nasty tender? I got a little tender hose. And, uh, you know, it's an ethical. I'm like, really you don't have to tell me. It could be Bumble. I don't care. It could be eHarmony. I don't care. Uh, but Tinder's going to be a big player. I think Alphabet and Google, for sure. A lot of AI. Um, but they also have Google Glass in the past. They have some, like, DNA. 30. Who else? I think Amazon.com won't leave it behind, nor will Microsoft. There's a Metaverse ETF of stocks. It's called METV, Consultant Broker Advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned, especially during this sector, this segment. It is a highly aggressive area where you can lose a lot of investing money fast. Is there an opportunity? There is. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. So I do two hours of content minimum a day between radio, television, podcasts, Facebook, and everything else. Um, it takes me a lot of time to prepare content. So hopefully you're getting the best of my efforts. One of the areas that sometimes makes me go, that's damn interesting. And I would have wanted to know that when I was 21 years old. I guess part of what I'm doing on the show is is finding things and showing you things from the investment world from 25 plus years of doing this and being successful and creating a nice lifestyle for myself and my family um, are, are things that I wish we would have been shot, taught, shot, lot, learned. Good. Um. Other than John Quincy Adams. How about this one? You know, John Deere, they make those big tractors. Every little kid loves a tractor. Every little kid loves a train. Every little kid loves a truck, I think. Me too. I have a dream of driving a bulldozer. Like, that would be on my bucket list. I know you're saying a bucket list? Like, aren't you supposed to be like, I want to go to the place where I was born and... Ride a hot air balloon. No, I have nothing like that. I've traveled as much as I want to travel. I, I will still travel for sure. But I was lucky. I was raised in a military family, so I, I knocked a lot of that out. And then in my college years, I traveled a lot. So 
John Deere is on my bucket list in a funny way. But so I started looking at their business model. They want 10% of their revenue in the future to come from software fees. We're going to need farms until the day we die. We're going to need tractors and hoes in a different way from, than from, you know, when we're talking about match.com and tender. We're going to need tractors and hoes and we're going to need bulldozers and those big, powerful machines, cranes. How many companies do you think can do that? Not many. I own shares of Caterpillar for the long term because I think we're in need farming equipment, manufacturing equipment for a long time. These are machines that have an amazing work ethic. Deere has spent hundreds of millions developing the next generation farm equipment outfitted for smart technology. As the planet, I guess, becomes drier or as the planet becomes more susceptible to uh, global warming, we can't afford to lose the Midwest, the United States. We may not you know, love to travel there. We may not have cities that we're like, we're going to adorn it with a, a Disneyland. It's never going to be the apple of our eye, but we need that part of the country to make food. So John Deere just did a $305 million acquisition back in 2017 of Blue River Technologies, whose artificial intelligence technology allows automated sprayers to differentiate crops from weeds. Wait, wait, wait. That's cool. Now, what if, they, what if we hack these and they, they think weeds, crops are weeds and they spray them with pesticide? Uh-oh. Deer tacked on another $250 million purchase of Bear Flack Robotics, a company that makes software to give old tractors autonomous capability. Now we're talking. Deer announced a fully autonomous tractor and crop sprayer, both of which are being rolled out on a limited basis this year. If you go to a farm today, Farmer John's not the same Farmer John that you thought growing up. And I went, went to a farm when I was in high school. And if you want to become vegan, go to a farm. And see farm animals and how they're treated and the lifestyle that way they live. And then it's suddenly over. The so deer announced a fully autonomous tractor and crop sprayer. One that can differentiate weeds from crops. One that can do all the work so that you don't have to hire illegal immigrants to do the work for you at a very low cost. One that you don't have to pay Union fees, too, or worry if they get sick in the fields. Dear executives told the Wall Street Journal, the company wants 1.5 million machines connected to the cloud called, sweetly enough, John Deere Operation Center. I know you're saying that's not sweet. It's kind of a boring name, in fact, Rob. Why are you calling it sweet? Because that's funny. You'd expect to be called Crop Skynet 2023. When they hook it up to the cloud, John Deere's going to be able to run a lot of artificial intelligence on crops and weeds and figuring out herbicides that are appropriate. Deere executives told the Wall Street Journal the company wants 1.5 million machines collect, uh, connected to the cloud. That's not a Amazon Web Services kind of number, but it's a nice number for a farmer. Their CEO talked to the Wall Street Journal, 10% of the company's annual revenue will come from software fees by 2030. Software is way more profitable than hardware. Way more. Once Microsoft came up with Windows, they have this source code and they're like, you know what? We can put this on a CD. We can put this on a floppy drive. We can pre-install on machines and charge $200 every time. 
and they run that code, do they have to reinvent it? Nope, they have to maintain it for sure. But there's nothing physical about it. It's software. It's cheap to replicate, duplicate. Times 10, times 20, times 40. Software is more profitable than hardware. Equipment will eventually remain the bulk of Deere's business, but there's going to be this big push into software. Is there risk because of that? Hell, yes, there's risk because of that. But the average gross margin of farming software is 85% versus 25% on equipment sales. So when they sell you a tractor or a hoe and it costs $35,000, $40,000, $100,000, the margins on that hardware is only 25%. Margin on software, 85%. Do I think we're going to live in a world with robotics and artificial intelligence coming to not all farms, but to many? I do. Now, some farmers aren't sold because my daddy's daddy's daddy, he used to work the fields here. They see software subscriptions eroding their fiscal independence. They see that they won't be able to be like, say, I just bought a tractor. I'm a good. I'll take care of it from here. John Deere, you go on. Thank you for your equipment. President Biden signed an executive order directing the FTC to curb repair restrictions on farm equipment last year. Again, you start thinking about it. If you get a Maserati, you're not taking your Maserati to get repaired at the uh, you know, local uh, oil change, Jiffy Lube. And you got to get gouged in the process. One of the things I like about Toyota vehicles is there's so many of them out there. You don't get gouged in the, the repair parts. And they're so easy to fix that most mechanics can do it. I know you're saying you've thought this through. I have. One minute. So President Biden signed an executive order directing the FTC to curb repair restrictions by farm equipment manufacturers. It's unclear to what extent they will be able to tinker with embedded software. If farmers gain assurances there, they'll feel a lot more like the jolly rancher versus the upset angry rancher. And again, have we seen that like with Apple, where Apple wants to repair the equipment themselves, and then the government puts pressure on them. No, no, no. You need to open it up. Yeah. I do think John Deere is very interesting. I own shares of Caterpillar for the whole segment I just talked about. We need food. That's not going to go away. We need farming equipment. That's not going to go away. They're embracing technology. That's not going to go away. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. Now back to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Remember when I recently talked about metaverse stocks as if you want speculation, here's some ways to speculate in the metaverse. I don't think anything more than 10% of your portfolio should be speculation. I want 90% of your assets, whether they be stocks, bonds, or real estate, to be legit. I know some idiot who bought real estate in the metaverse, and I'm just like, you're an idiot. And he asked me, what do you think? I said, you're an idiot. And does it help my friendships and my social life when I say that? No. If he's buying right next to, like, I don't know, uh, an LVMH store or right next to where the Kardashians bought real estate, I'm like, I still think you're an idiot. If it works out for you, I think you're an idiot that got lucky. Or a speculative idiot that hit, you know, one out of 100. But one area that I'm very fascinated with the metaverse is, I'm going to be honest, is concerts. Um, the pandemic kind of rushed this along. 
Let me give you an example. My children love a band called AJR. And AJR went out on a big uh, theater in New York. They got a lot of cameras and they put on a concert. Um, I think it was live. I could be wrong on that. It could have been mostly pre-recorded. But I think right around one of those 2020s or 2021 holiday seasons, you know, we paid 10 bucks for four. We didn't have to pay for four because we're all sitting in front of the same computer. It wasn't augmented headsets. It wasn't virtual reality headsets. And there's a little thing like, if you really like it, clap, clap, clap over here. And uh, it was very nicely done. But also 21 Pilots did something where it was a kind of a concert video footage that was their cancel got toured and they put all their songs in the, into like special video. They created some characters. They rented out the arena in Ohio where they're from. They got some actors and, you know, in between moving from set to sets, so there's like probably six sets that they moved between. And that came out in movie theaters, uh, but it was very, very much so a virtual concert. So I think that's going to be a big experience. And in large part, I would like to go to the Super Bowl, but I have no interest in being at the Super Bowl. If you've ever been to a Super Bowl, it's a lot of security. It's a lot of lines. It's ridiculous things like $20 for a cup of soda. Um, you feel gouged everywhere. It's just, it's not fun. Is it fun for the NFL fan? No. Um, my spouse got to go to the uh, Super Bowl that Michael Jackson played out. I don't know how many years ago. And she said it, it was nothing. It was, it was unspectacular. And it was supposed to be spectacular. Spectacular. Anyhow, I think you want to see Michael Jackson. Go see Michael Jackson. But, oh, he's dead. But in the virtual world, we could see some of his concerts again. Anyhow, I'm digressing here. I recently read a research report that talked about, they, they pulled people and how many people had attended a virtual concert in the metaverse, whether it be Fortnite or Meta's Horizon Worlds, 9% of respondents said that they had. That's more than you would think. And that's a big do-re-mi dollar sign for the music industry. You know, YouTube, when I was cooking dinner last night, I bring the remote control into the kitchen. I've got an open kitchen so I could see the living room. And I start playing, you know, concerts, songs from the, bands i'm going to see in the future um i've got some shows lined up a wall nation coming up in the fall so i was like let's see what they look like um that's big business for the music industry getting that advertising revenue from youtube from me when i instead of putting on broadcast networks i, I go straight to youtube for my entertainment while i'm cooking um so 9% of people have seen Fortnite and you've heard about Fortnite's Marshmallow. You've heard about Fortnite's Ariana Grande. You've heard about Fortnite's, uh, they do a lot of experimental, not experimental, but for American teenagers experiment, they're bringing world music, whether it be a Japanese pop artist or a Brazilian rapper to Fortnite concerts. And if you watch the concert for 30 minutes and it's got virtual reality stuff going on uh, or augmented reality, like uh, your characters running through mazes while the, the tunes on you have to collect balloons and the song is about released it's pretty well done or it can be well done i think there's gonna be some money in here and that's why i'm going back and doubling down on i think the metaverse is speculative but i think it's worth speculating on if you do it right and if you don't bite off more than you can chew 
and if you're willing to admit when you're wrong. 2019 saw Fortnite draw 10.7 million concurrent viewers to a concert for Marshmallow. Marshmallow is a DJ that uh, I think is actually pretty good. And I don't like DJs and I don't like EDM any way, shape, or form. But when he collaborates with an artist, he tends to make, like he collaborated with churches. Uh, he's collaborated with Bieber. He tends to make their music a little bit more entertaining. And he wears white shirts and he has a white marshmallow head. And I, we know what he looks like. I know, but do we care? I don't think we care, but we play along with it as a society. 10.7 million people. Now, when you look at the, the Super Bowl in the United States, we're happy with 100 million people watching. A year later, Travis Scott drew 12 million concurrent players to his Fortnite concert. Now, Meta's been a little bit of a failure here. They've done some in-person concerts for Young Thug and David Guetta, Guetta that feel like an American Idol name. So their numbers are a lot smaller, whereas Epic and Fortnite's done a better job of building a, a base of users. Meta needs that. I, I still think Wall Street's getting a little pissy with Zuckerberg. Like You're not figuring out how to do the metaverse. You need to build a base of users first. And then you can do concerts and impress people. In-person events are on the upswing right now. Now that the pandemic restrictions have been relaxed, Live Nation, which I think is a great long-term investment idea. It's not for every portfolio. It's got some risk for sure. But I've spent more on concert tickets this year than I did in 2019. And I've been to more concerts this year than I did in 2019. Will that wane? Nope. As a father, I want to attend live concerts with my children as much as possible. But if we get a chance to go to the Super Bowl, if I can pull off an augmented reality headset and sit in the front row, I absolutely will do that if I don't have to go through security with my kids. Live Nation reportedly uh, recently that they've sold 100 million tickets through July 2022, compared with 74 million in 2019. That is a massive over 30% jump. If you get anything, you look at our, our GDP and it grows. Three, four percent. If you get anything that's growing 30, 40 percent, there's a good chance for outperformance for your portfolio. Now, again, without performance, with risk comes reward for sure. But with aiming for reward comes risk as well. Do I think it's okay for AI generated art to be considered traditional art? I do. And, you know, I don't know how, I don't want to wax too poetic about it. But I would like to see you two in the front row, but I'm never going to see you two in the front row because the scalpers are going to control that experience too much. I would like to see um, Elvis. I know you're saying he's dead and he's bloated. Yeah, but in augmented re virtual reality, we can pull it off. For the record, that Baz Luhrmann movie, Elvis. Um, I'll say it again. I think Baz Luhrmann is spectacular. Spectacular. Content I wasn't crazy about, but the way he visualizes worlds, holy mackerel. He's the guy I want to work in my virtual reality world. Because he is all that in a bucket of chicken as far as selling imaging. I know you're saying, who's Baz Luhrmann? Eh, not controversial, but I, I think 
not drug induced, but pretty damn talented director as far as visualizing worlds. Which again, you think of Avatar, you know, people could pull that off world building. Anyhow, anyway, um, yeah, I do think the concert industry is going to be big for virtual reality. And I think that's kind of where I would pay a little of attention to. Because honestly, if I was a poor college kid and I wanted to impress a girl, I'd rather stay in and watch a concert on our couch. You know, couches. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You see my game, right? You see right through me. You just want to get me on the couch. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Doesn't that stand for sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Like Matthew McConaughey, when he uses that phrase, all right, all right. Like sex are all right. Drugs are all right. Rock and roll's all right. I just like Matthew McConaughey. If he were to be, if anyone were to have a spiritual guru, or if I were to have a spiritual guru, it'd be him. He's got the right vibe if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, he's got a tattoo that's fantastic. It's called Just Live. And I'm like, okay. That sums me up beautifully because it says everything and says nothing at all. Anyhow, um, 800-516-1220. Kim Kardashian and Jay Sammons are starting a private equity fund with a focus on investing and building media and consumer businesses. Ugh. You know what I hate about this? She's got followers. If she's got followers, she can do newsletters. If she got do newsletters, she can make any company she puts her name on at least get a positive light for a period of time. Do I like the fact that Kim Kardashian's getting private equity? I don't. Do I think she has a chance of succeeding? I do. Why? Because of followers. What does Metaverse need? Followers. What do concerts need? Followers to say, hey, we know there's 100 million of you out there. Maybe you like Marshmallow. Maybe you like uh, Ariana Grande. You need a base of people. Super importable. Total addressable market. TAM. Very important in technology stocks. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. You know, this hour I've been talking a lot about the metaverse and virtual concerts and who the players are and speculative ideas and investing because Little Work Revisor taking action on any ideas you ever hear on the show. One area I think is kind of interesting to talk about is where virtual reality and augmented reality can go intelligently. And it doesn't, you don't have to look too far in America to see baseball is not our favorite pastime, but it's still big. Football has a place potentially not in the United States. But if the NFL wants to expand their business model internationally, they're probably going to have to do it with screening in different manners. The NFL owns American Lives in 23 weekends of the year. You do the math, and that's almost half the year, right? If you take, and what do you mean do they own? You can take a look at MLP. You can take a look at soccer. You can take a look at the basketball, and you can see players from the Philippines, the Czech Republic, Japan. But the NFL is still pumping out NFL prime ready candidates from high school, from American high school, St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, DeSoto High School in DeSoto, Texas, year in, year out, homegrown talent. It is very much so an American turf soil kind of phenomenon. On occasion, you see someone break in, but not very often. Nielsen rating list shows us how powerful it is. NFL broadcast in the United States account for 38 of the top 100 most viewed telecasts of the year, including eight of the top 10. 
Number two in the United States, Major League Baseball earned three spots. No, no, no. We're going to talk about the NBA as well, but Major League Baseball earned three spots through the World Series games, while the NBA saw only one finals game amongst that cream of the crop. As far as eyeballs go, follow the eyeballs, you follow the dollar signs. How much did the NFL make in revenue? $18 billion. How does that compare with other sports? English Premier League, top grossing sports league outside of the United States, scored a record revenue through its most recent full season of $6.2 billion. So English Premier League, Manchester United, fabled storied franchises. Right? You followed me? Um, ticket sales, media contracts, um, advertisers on jerseys. It's ridiculous how much it's monetized. It's pulling a third with NFL pulls in six point two billion versus eighteen billion. Major League Baseball, the second highest revenue earner, is hoping to crack eleven billion in revenue for its first time ever this season. The NBA, the third most lucrative sports league, grabbed ten billion in revenue. And yet, when it comes time to go into international, the NFL lines up for the uh, easy extra point. Snap is down. The kick is up. Doink. They can't figure out international. The Denver Broncos team president recently said, we want to pull off $1 billion at the NFL in annual international revenue in the next five years. The NBA saw over 10% over a billion of its revenue coming from overseas. So the NBA is winning on the international level. It's an easy game to pick up. It's like soccer is so dominant in the world because you could literally play with a soccer ball on concrete. You could play it in a desert. You could play it on grass. Um, the NBA, you have a, a, a bucket and you have a ball. You can You can kind of pick it up. And you're seeing more and more European players on a regular basis break into the NBA and be dominant players, even winning MVPs. Not so much in the NFL yet. But the NBA is doing something right because it's an easy game to understand, an easy game to pick up, and the players are becoming more international. So uh, you don't think Japanese citizens wake up and go, oh, let's see how Shoei Otani did last night. They do. What makes the NFL such a third stringer here? Lack of diversity. Just 3% of the players in the league come from outside the United States. 20% of NBA players are not Americans. How do you fix that? I don't know if you can. I think virtual reality making it a lot more accessible to really see the impact, the speed, the power of the sport. The NFL on TV is sweet. It's, it's a better game on TV than at the, the stadium, in my opinion. Because you're seeing the action pretty close. But when you're in person, you see how hard they hit. You're like, wow. I went to one of those indie car races many, many years ago. And I hate that sport. It's a sport that I just don't get. Oh, yeah, you're going to get a car and go around and around and around a track. And you don't even have a gorilla chasing. You don't even have like any reason to be running from people. But when you go in person, it's so loud. And you see the power of the cars. And like, I'm not a car guy. But for that one day, I was like, like it was all manly 
there's a lot of testosterone when you go to the events in person. The World League of American Football, consisting of six U.S.-based teams in addition to clubs in Montreal, London, Barcelona, and Frankfurt. Do you remember that? There was some small success in that. The league morphed into an entirely European-based institution called NFL Europe. In 2007, it was dubbed NFL Europa. Um, the NFL shut it down ahead of the 2008 season because it was losing too much money. That's not a good way to invest in the future. Losing $30 million. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is like, yeah, we'll lose $10 million this year. Easy on Metaverse. The NFL has scheduled one game a year in London since 2007. It's upgraded to multiple games a year in 2013. This year, they're doing even more games in Europe. Mexico City has also hosted an annual November matchup since 2016. Germany is going to host an inaugural battle between the Seattle Seahawks and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's trying to build a sustainable audience, but it's a pretty pathetic attempt because NFL owners don't like losing money. They're like a bird sanctuary. Cheap, 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 cheap. So they're really having a problem getting that international. Again, they don't need it. They're number one. They're fat cats where they are. But the NFL really needs to try to figure out the international markets if they want to keep that number one position, in my opinion. Will they keep it in my lifetime? They will. Will they lose it in my kid's lifetime? I think they will. Will soccer take them? Will the NBA take them? Somebody's going to take them because they don't have the right homegrown talent to be international or enough international homegrown talent. I'm Rob Black. That doesn't even make sense. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.